right, let's do this. I know you love it. Good morning and welcome to the Tech Breakfast Podcast, the show that brings you all the tech news and all the hot takes you can handle with Tyler Gates, Russ Cantwell, and Aaron Bewley, who unfortunately cannot join us again today. We are live streaming on Twitch. We are ready for headlines. How you doing, Russ? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, daughter's going to stay at my mom's tonight. So <gasps> that's exciting. Vacation, staycation. Uh, well, actually, because Lindsay's super pregnant, um, and oh. I'm leaving tomorrow morning to go play paintball. You're the worst. Are you going to play to win? Of, well, obviously, I'm playing. Just checking. Yeah. The no, pre-show is <clears throat> unclear. Yeah, for the, for the pre-show people out there, um, we've decided that if you're going to play a sports ball game, or any form of competition, you only play if you're going to win. It's it's sort of a um, you play to win, mis- only to win though. Right, it, right. It's a it's a Mr. Miyagi sort of lesson that you take yeah. home. <clears throat> only only play if you're going to win. Uh, we're playing paintball in Fort Worth, and we just didn't want Lindsay to wake up early and take care of the kid. So that's, that's we're giving actually the kid very kind of you. Yeah, that's great. Where are you playing paintball, Fort Worth? What? Uh, it's been a very long time since I played paintball. Uh, same for me. I imagine it's going to be bad. It's going to hurt. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, it's my buddy's birthday. And, cool. Uh, so we're going from like 9.15 to 11.15 or something. And uh, one of the guys who has never played before uh, said, he was like, man, only two hours? That seems like it's not a very long amount of time. It's like, yeah, wait till you get hit once. Yeah. See how much longer you want to play. So uh, it, it should be good. I don't think I've played in 15 years. Um, I remember playing and I, this is one of those where like, am I the bad guy? Um, we were playing a paintball match and, uh, it, you know, like usually there, it's been a long time. So I probably don't remember like the explicit way that, that this stuff used to work out, but generally speaking, it's, it's not cool to get really close to somebody and shoot them. Right. Because it is quite painful. Um, and, and I think right. everyone usually rules that, right? against that. Well, like yes, there are rules against it. Yeah, 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 something like that. But then there's also like there's just the I, I forget what it is, it, but it, it's it, there's a nicety that just says like I am so close to you, you are screwed. Put your hands up, give up, or I shoot you, right? And sure. I, there's a word for this, but but I was playing with someone. Uh, this is back in Lockheed days, and I feel like it was a boss or like a boss's peer, something like that. Anyways, I rushed him and. They were hiding behind a barricade. We were, and there was lots of pew, pew, pew back and forth, you know, probably 30 feet away. And when they ducked down, I just got up and I ran. And as I approached the barricade, I said, I am about to jump over and shoot you. Put your hands up. And I screamed it like four times. And I saw him like squirming, trying to figure out which side I was going to come on. I was like, I'm going to freaking shoot you. And then they, they like come around the side and I just pop. And he's like, dude, not cool. And I'm like, what? I told you. I warned you. I, I gave you all the warnings in the world. I don't know about you, but I showed up to win. I didn't want to hurt you. You did this to yourself, but I he did not feel the same way. All he felt was the searing pain of a paintball at relatively short <laughs> distance in his arm. Man, the last time that I played And I'm the bad guy. You're the bad guy. <laughs> last time that I played, we were um playing on a speedball course. It was an indoor course, actually, in Plano. Um, well, I guess it wasn't the last time that I played. It was probably the time before the last time. I played in Lubbock one time. It was bad. It did not go well. My friend Ralph was on the other... There's like a, basically a, probably like a 14-year-old's birthday party going on there. And they randomly asked me and my friend Ralph to join them. And we were like, uh, <laughs> uh. okay, I guess. And so we split teams. 
And, you know, you start at that middle sort of barricade and then you break out, right? Um, well, Ralph had, he had a lot of different variations of his paintball gun. Like he had multiple different barrels oh, and grips. Oh, no. And, now I know why they asked you to I play. I guess he, he took all his stuff to a different table because he didn't want me to see whatever it was he yeah, was going to Yeah, which one do. I picked. Ended up being smart. Um, <laughs> and so he apparently had switched all of his accessories to the long range version of oh, that's his, awesome of his gun. And right when I ran out from the barricade, I was two steps in and I got nailed <laughs> on crap. the goggles dead center <laughs> with, with paint. I mean, it was, it's probably the greatest thing he's ever done in his life. If that's I'm completely awesome. honest, but yeah, he nailed me. accomplishments, and, uh, it was, it was, solid, that's fantastic. So. Anyways, we should probably get Good into, stuff. uh, this day in tech history, I think Kieran actually provided no, no, no. for us. It's it's yesterday's today in tech history, but we're gonna break that trend today. Apparently, uh, I'm actually gonna do I'm gonna do a yesterday's. You want to take today's because I want to do yesterday's because there's Ooh, one. Yeah, I'm very I'll take about. I'll take today's because I'm excited about that one. We'll just let's do it. Why don't we start with uh, yesterday's today? Because yeah, I mean that's the segment because right? you can't find it. Um, no, the, no, no. Uh, yeah, yeah. So yesterday's today in tech history. I can't believe we haven't screwed that up yet. It's going to no, happen. No, it, it rolls right off the time. Right now. June 17th, 1980. That's right. The nice. 80s. This one's for me. Nice. The very first two video games are copyrighted. Which two? What 80s. are those video games? Oh, no. Uh, 80s. Wow. Um, not Doom. Not that early. Uh, what's... Oh, to make sure I would I would have gotten this wrong. No, I'm I'm gonna wait. Were they, are they console they, games they, or computer games? They are arcade games, and they oh, are okay. they are obvious ones. I mean, they are very popular. So this this would be like Pac Man, and what else? Like Space Invaders or something? Ooh, you are you're pretty close on on Space Invaders. Ah. Right? It was, uh, so it was they're both from Atari. I, so I was gonna say Atari is is the the producer, but I'm I yeah. can't I don't know the order of games well yeah, enough. Showed my I, true I, colors I, don't, here. I think I would have probably gone with Pong or something, but it was uh, mm. it was Asteroids and Lunar Lander. Uh, and which one? <clears throat> Lunar Lander. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. No, I yeah. never would have guessed Lunar Lander. Asteroids. I I could have done that. That I was close. I I feel. I feel the asteroids validated. I felt was achievable. The <laughs> lunar lander, I thought, you know, maybe. I mean, I know the game, I've played it, um, but it's less recognizable than. than yeah, asteroids. it's not top of mind. That's funny. Even though they um, fundamentally play very similar. Very, very. No, that's cool. Games were pretty okay. simple back then. Yeah, no, that's a fun one. Uh, right, so that June seventeenth, nineteen eighty, big day in video game history, or June at least 17. big day in copyright. There you have it. There you have it. Uh, so. The one that uh, Kieran Sheldon actually shared with us uh, from the future, obviously, is from today. That's how he got it so early. Um, so he actually shared two. Um, one was 2012, June 18th. Uh, the Microsoft announced its first Surface, um, which oh, nice. I remember actually being excited about. I thought that was a pretty cool um, foray into device manufacturing as well as one yeah. that, that was pretty slick for various reasons. It was kind of a disaster as a first-gen product, in my opinion. Was it? They I matured it pretty quick. It, it, there were a lot of promises, stuff like battery life and quality that 
just didn't really play out. It's like sure. it'll last for eight hours. It lasts for like an hour and a half, stuff like That's that. Funny. That's yeah, it was mean. it was pretty ugly in my opinion. Uh, but but the uh, they looked very nice and they were well built physically. They just had some uh, some glaring issues with touch and stuff like that and firmware driver stuff. They cleaned it up, I think. Yeah, the they've came a long way. Generations. Uh, yeah, I've always liked the idea and I've always kind of wanted to get one of those, but I've never found a scenario where it would make sense for me. And I, I wouldn't want yeah. to ruin my track record of not regretting purchases. <laughs> so I, uh, I have not go. I have not jumped in on that one. I actually picked up a, a Gen 4 one. I think I got a, a used Surface, um, and um, I I have enjoyed it. I use it for my easy to set up 3D printing asset, which I should probably just do on a Raspberry Pi. Nice. But it's it's <laughs> been convenient for that. And um, since I don't have an iPad, uh, it's actually been my digital whiteboarding asset since I purchased it back then. There you so go. it's uh, it's good. I like uh, the the pen. I think they nailed. Uh, very touch sensitive, lots of colors. You can do good stuff. It's very natural the way that it feels for writing. They've really came a long way with those freaking pens, man. I remember trying to use digital pens like 10 oh, years terrible. ago and they were awful. And now I have, I have my iPad, which is the 2018 Pro, and I have the Apple Pencil for that. And then the Galaxy Tab S7 that I bought last year came with uh, a pen with it. Nice. Both of which are, they feel very similar, but they're both just incredible with the way they can do it. The thing that I'm most impressed with is just their ability to sort of detect touches from like my arm. Like I can, I can hold yeah, my Yeah, it ignores it, the it, palm you know, just, and stuff. Yeah, just that that part of it. Because yeah. you sort of at first, you kind of want to like move your fingers around and not touch. <laughs> You're just holding your arm way up. But uh, I, I've really enjoyed being able to use that. So every now and then I'll use it for whiteboarding as well. But I, I don't actually present it on the whiteboard. I literally like draw my own whiteboard and then I'll put it into a presentation and it looks awful, but it's sort of a funny joke now. So <laughs> it's just sort of what I keep doing. <laughs> no, I definitely live whiteboard on it. I like I like that experience, especially uh, with the this work from home craze that we decided to pick up for no obvious reason in 2020. Um so yeah. I, I like whiteboarding, and so it was nice to be able to whiteboard digitally, to continue but it. but be able to draw, like feel that that tactile feedback is is a definitely part of it for me. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I like boxes and your own stuff like that as useful as it is and as clean and perhaps better in some ways for digital whiteboarding. I, I still like being able to draw. It just sucks me into it. Karen so the other one says that there's uh, there's a lot of customers buying them that he sees, but it's still not a MacBook. Um, I guess maybe what he means is, is that the MacBook has no touchscreen. And you still can't snap windows to the left or the right, which is embarrassing. But you know. <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah, I, I actually, actually, I actually just learned that, by the way, the other day. Uh, I didn't know yeah, that. I didn't know that. I just, it's one of those things that I just Macs. assumed everyone had. Yeah. And someone made a comment on it was like a Linux Thing where someone was like, "Hey, I have a MacBook. Um, I'm going to move to Linux. This? Like, what are the things that you're gonna that I'm going to miss, or what are the things that I need to know?" And everyone listed. They're like, "Just so you know, you can snap windows on the left, the right, the top, the bottom, each corner." And, and I love he was it. Like, what? <laughs> like, what? What's snapping windows? He didn't even know about it. I, it's funny. I was like, flabbergasted. What, that the, the Mac like swiping of frames. You know, your Alt Tab and Windows. Yeah. That's very slick. But uh, yeah, I don't. I don't think I could function without 
snapping windows right and left. Um, and I don't even have one of the monolithic 34 inch curved screens where that would make even more sense. I, I right. do it all the time. That and I think that that's what people, what, what some of the people in the comment sections replied is like everyone on Mac uses just the, the gestures to, the gestures. to move across the windows, which you can, he could, he could also do those same ones on, on Linux if he needs to. So right. he'll have either one of them. Uh, Windows okay, so, has the snapping, but I've never used the multiple screens, even though Linux and Windows have had it for a while now. Um, I've never, I, I've never gone, not the screens, but like the multiple workspaces. I just don't switch between workspaces. It's not a part of my workflow. Yeah, I, mean? I, I don't do that either, but I've seen it. I've seen it used very elegantly with like presentation versus demo. Oh, I've seen and, Aaron and do I it probably on his should... old Mac he had when he was at, when it was EMC. Yeah. I yeah, remember yeah. him flipping through things uh, all the time. Very second. I didn't actually know you could do workspaces like that in Windows. I, I was just all tabs. Put it in, I think it was, they put it in Windows 10. Uh, I put it. Linux has had it for a really long time, but I just, like, I've, I've opened things up on it before and I, I just end up forgetting about them. I don't know. I just, the workspace goes away and then I just don't bring it back. So I, just, right. stop doing it. <laughs> I should try that. It might help me clean up my, uh, my tabs. Um, so the other one from uh, actual yesterday's tech history or today's tech history, sorry, is uh, the Jamie Thomas Rasset case um, for for file sharing. So this is the MP3 saga. This is the MPAA going aggressively after an individual. Um, you want to guess what the penalty was and for how many songs Jamie Thomas Rasset was accused of illegally uh, making available on the internet, which I think I think that was one of the finer lines, right? But what's what's your guess? How, How big of a songs? penalty? How, How many songs? Penalty. I don't know. I'm gonna guess this was in this was going to you said Kazaa or this was Kazaa, yeah. I, I mean I'd imagine a lot of songs. A thousand? Just to yeah, guess there. It it wasn't. So the penalty was almost two million dollars to an individual for sharing songs on the internet, by the way. And and the number that was actually uh, you know brought to bear was twenty four, and then four total I, songs, total songs, so and a million dollars, two million dollars, two million dollars, and what? and so I I remember I remember this case uh, quite well, um, not because I was an avid Kazaa user that would. That would be terrible. Yeah, you definitely were, or no, Napster or, yeah. or news groups. None of those things for sure. No, you you but were a pioneer in purchasing individual songs. That's what you definitely. Were. That's remember Blockbuster Music. I loved it. Uh, yeah. Everybody liked physical media and headsets. Other people wore. You don't look. Don't look like you don't remember Blockbuster Music. <laughs> Everyone just, should remember that it was alive for like a year and a half. Say Blockbuster it Music thrived. met its demise before <laughs> Blockbuster itself <laughs> even thought about meeting its demise. That is a fact. That is an accurate statement. Um, but it was a huge, huge fine. And obviously the intent was from the MPAA's perspective was to protect copyright, to be respectable of, uh, you know, like DRM technology, stuff like that. Um, but, but there were a lot of things that were like landmark in that case. Um, and and I, found, I found it really interesting to follow because despite arguably winning, right? Like, like, you got there. You you got that one terrible human being who would totally download a car. Yeah. Um, I it it changed nothing. Like that yeah. was the beginning of file sharing and the erosion of selling physical media for songs before it became back in vogue. Is probably all it probably like did was piss people off more about the. It labels. did. It absolutely did. It it one hundred percent just vilified the MPAA and the entire recording industry, yeah. which was unavoidable at that point because it became so high profile. But it's like, 
I, I can only imagine the team that brought that case to bear and that brought it over the finish line. Like, yeah, we did it. $83,000 a song. We stopped the internet from stealing stuff. And the next day, everybody's like, no, you guys are just dicks. Dude, I, it still drives me crazy. It, it's amazing to me that the music industry hasn't caught on to the free advertising that the world will give them whenever yeah. like they, like, cause they will, if you're playing music on Twitch, they yep. will automatically block that out. Watch Twitch stream. will do so, so that sure. they don't get you know any issues takedowns and stuff. The music industry, and yeah. so what's amazing to me is I remember because that was that's only in the last couple of years that that's happened. I have seen countless times where someone had music going, and the chat was, "Hey, what song is? Hey, that? What song is that? Who plays that song all the time?" And, all and the, the time. music industry is just like, "No, no, no." We don't want awareness of our music. That's not interesting to us. <laughs> it, it, it it's feels like crazy. It feels like them like attacking the potential abusers of being able to do that, right? Because some people would abuse it. They'd be like, let's drink coffee together and you just play full, you know, recently released albums, right? On on a loop. Sure. That that I understand you maybe not wanting someone to do, but because it's possible to do that, they won't even let you hum it. <laughs> and that's how far they take this. Crap. What's interesting is, is it's on a platform that is playing a digital medium that also has the ability to change like, or to, uh, to stop people from streaming that asset as well, meaning video games. So video yeah. games, they they the exact same thing. A new game releases, and it, even a single player game, they could go in and say, "Hey, stop playing that. We want people to buy it." But they quickly realized that they were getting a dramatic amount more sales to the point of now video <laughs> game companies pay streamers to, to stream. You know? how is how is it's, the music industry just not wrapping their head around this? I mean, I have think no about, idea. And I know we've talked about this before, but it just it just goes to my core. I understand like the the money they made from CDs. I saw a chart on this. I think it was on Reddit's data is data is beautiful. Um and and they did they they absolutely raked in insane amounts of money from CD sales. And I, I think it's because the the big thing about CDs that was so profitable is it was kind of like cable package bundling is that right. you could have one good song, but they still have to pay $16 or $21 for the, right. for the media to get all the other songs that they don't want. Right. So, so they raked in enormous amounts of money from CDs, but it had already started to precipitously decline before downloading and streaming started to take off. And they fought the Jamie Thomas Rassets in court and made it as public as possible and went after the Napsters of the world. And I'm not saying that's inappropriate. I, I think you protect your IP. But sure. they did so with what was an apparent complete lack of understanding that there was a massive revenue stream right under right. their nose. It's like they tried to sue them out of existence instead of adopting the model that people clearly wanted. They had the most obvious <laughs> leading indicator of what to do next. And they're just like, no, no we no, can't no. see it. We're gonna try this other thing and see if we can We're keep going the dinosaur for the knees. longer. Oh, oh geez. We should probably move on to some. Yes, yeah. Let's jump up that. I was thinking the same thing. Um, so I there I noticed two articles today that, that caught my attention. This is something that comes up a lot, but I haven't seen it um, I guess articulated very often. And uh, so Amazon apparently is blaming social media platforms or or asking that they fix 
like bad fake fake reviews, so astroturfing or, or otherwise on Amazon site, and their their claim is oh, that the the companies that are doing this moved the attempt to to get the astroturf done to pay for those reviews in those cases off of Amazon's platform, so it's really difficult for them to see and know what's going on. But now the social media platforms, whether it's Facebook or Instagram or you know Twitter, what have you, they should be able to see these groups that are, I think, sometimes really obviously labeled like we're gonna you know pay for reviews and there's a hundred thousand members. Like the organization to- of these groups, to right, go, okay. is now on social media. So I get it, but that it's also just funny to see it. Because, uh, man, I tried to find this app and I couldn't find it, but I remember running into this on Reddit. There, there are a few social apps out there where you can plug in like a product link on Amazon and it will actually troll through all of the ratings and tell you a ranking based on how likely it is that the reviews are garbage or that it's been over pruned or that they're they're fake or they're coming. And I'm sure it's looking at like usernames and, and semantically sort of comparing, wow, these sentences are all exactly the same. Or maybe there's just a lot that says, you know, part of her promotion, which I think is okay on, on Amazon's, but I'm not entirely positive that that's true. I don't know the platform rules. But um, if, if a third party can do that and arguably make like nothing from it. Amazon should be able to do better at finding out the astroturfing. But they're they're usually criticized as saying like, why would Amazon actually care? Like they need to pretend like they care, but really they just want people to buy stuff through through Amazon. Right. <laughs> I feel like if they really cared, there's something they could do about it. And I, I, I there, this might be an antitrust portion just because of the size of what they are now. But I feel oh, like maybe you know because one thing that is that Amazon tries to do is. Well, I, they do this. They they mark people as verified purchases. Mm-hmm. One thing I think they could do is require a verified purchase for review. To review. So that, would be, that would be number one. Which, of course, yeah. there's another problem, which is what we've seen is some people who uh, sell a product then send an email or a message or something based on the information they get from Amazon that says, sure. please go review our product Absolutely. or review our product and we'll give you a $50 you know, yep. rebate or whatever to it. What they, you know, what they maybe could do, and this is where I think it could be antitrusty or bad, but I maybe it's just it's something they could try. They could have that email be forced to send to Amazon as well, and anything that makes some form of request like that, immediately that can no longer be like they'll stop the reviews going for it. So if they really wanted to, they could do this. And and the way I think they could get the yeah. email going to is instead of giving the user's email for that person to directly email them, it would go through it, like a, an Amazon alias. That goes I feel like it should, ha- it should already do that. Like it's kind I, of mind blowing that they'd be sharing that data. It seems obvious and easy to party. do. Yeah, but I, I no. don't know. I, I think they could. I just don't think they will. Uh, and that right. could be problematic. Well, and- and so this is really interesting because that was my gut response too. Is like this is Amazon just sort of deflecting what what they could totally do with with their technical prowess and and they're capable, but it also sort of moves their cheese. And and so they they <laughs> it's better for them to like puff up and be like, oh, we hate this. Somebody else should fix it because I don't really want it fixed, right? But in the same breath, and and this actually kind of blew my mind. Amazon pulled Rav Power. Vuva and Tautronics, all from a company called Sunnyvale, um, which I believe is the American arm of a Chinese-owned company, which is popular if, if you've shopped for batteries or chargers or USB-C docks or, you know, I think uh, Vuva is more popular for cameras and, and projectors and stuff like that. Um, they're, they're huge for providing inexpensive, high-quality gear for the respective sort of umbrellas that those little, little brands represent. Yep. Um, 
Amazon pulled them all because of a pay to review scheme. And, and I think it was literally in this case, like you have a coupon in your box that says, leave a five-star review, get a $35 you know, credit or something like that. Um, so, so Amazon actually is shooting missiles. And it, uh, I think uh, Sunny, Sunnyvale, I think I got that right. Um, no, Sun Valley. Sorry, that was wrong. Sun, Sun Valley is the name of the company. Uh, that's something like 30, 30 to 35% of corporate revenue. Like their, their stock hit a 12% dip because of Amazon's shutdown of, of their products. And they said it goes even beyond just not being able to present on Amazon. Amazon is responsible for a lot of fulfillment. So even if you go to their right. website and try to buy this stuff, they're basically in a, in a tight spot. So it's, it's even more damning. So I, I had the same reaction. Like, I don't feel like Amazon really wants to screw with this. But then that news, maybe they do. I think at this point, let's be kind of honest. People are going to buy from Amazon... And even if the top reviewed product has like 50 reviews instead of 650, I, you know, people are, people are still going to buy it. It's There's the also three the way, review five stars where it's like, that's where you're like, mm, I don't know. Two of them yeah. are blank. They're just five star reviews. Yeah. One says, minimum product. <laughs> and the names are all clearly like automatically generated. <laughs> yeah. So the, uh, I think that, there's an there's an application or a plugin or something for for Chrome probably for almost any browser that is called I think Luster or or Lust Ray or something like that. Okay. And, uh, it will compare products that you're looking at based That's on cool. external reviews, like like actual reviewers comparing them um, side by side. So like every now and then, like for instance, I was going to look for a new printer because everyone wants to buy a freaking new printer. I hate it. I hate them. They're the worst. It uh, is Luster, by the way. L-U-S-T-R-E. Okay. Very highly rated as a Chrome extension. It is solid because when I was looking at a printer, it said, yeah, this Added. one's good, but this one's excellent. This one's and then, excellent. And then it'll, Ooh, it'll point to I like, like it. and then you can click to the reviews and it'll show, it'll go through and show the comparison or the reviews and stuff. So it's a really cool yeah, yeah. I just added it. I'm looking forward to this. And and I now I want Luster to incorporate whatever app I don't remember the name of that that goes through and tells you whether or not the reviews are fake. Well, there you go. Well, the, the, uh, get well, at you, it. You, you won't get it for every product, obviously. Like you're not going to get it for the random, probably like battery that you're buying. Well, then it's there. worthless to me because I only most buy of the random stuff. Items, I think it's going to be there. Yeah. We, no cool. one buys, no one buys random stuff from Amazon. <laughs> that certainly isn't like a third of their business. That's <laughs> Um, I'm, I'm curious, like if Amazon Basics is going to come out with all of the the Sun Valley, basically direct competition. Well, how's how's that for a good look? Let's let's, <laughs> let's see let's see how Amazon Basics does and the antitrust stuff that's going on right now. They may be their own company soon. Yeah, right. Um, oh man! All right, what else? What else you got? Gears, so I, I sent this article to you and Bully today about China kicking out more than half of the world's Bitcoin yeah. miners, and a whole lot of them could be headed to Texas, which both which of you. Is- which you and I great. agree is a good thing because the grid has Our way grid's ready for power. this. It's, yeah. Texas has Texas. unlimited renewable energy. It's perfectly easy. For those of you who don't know, Texas cannot handle power right now. This is a terrible Cold. thing. Cold, hot. We just What's, we don't know what we're doing. That's actually not the story. Although I will say it was interesting for me to read that I didn't realize that Texas was so crypto friendly, apparently because our energy costs are relatively low. They're low. That makes sense. And that's and, because it's deregulated, which is correct. arguably part of our problem. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, there's new regulations. The irony is thick. Put some like on them. The whole like <laughs> one day million dollars per day fine, I think, will make them think about it a little bit more. Um, I don't know if you saw hey, that or not, but th- we did. I didn't. I think but that's Abbott funny because who we did? 
That's I. That, so I'm actually I I wish I had read that because that's something that I'm really uh, interested in in general. But my my guess. So one of one of the biggest problems for those of you who don't know or didn't listen closely when we had our Snowmageddon incident was learning all of the things that contributed to that. And some of the fringe stuff that does that is, um, as you would expect in a deregulated industry, the power producers basically can choose to some extent when they're on. And, and they're going to choose that based on profitability. So if they're consuming natural gas to produce heat or, or you know electricity, the cost of natural gas is going to be a driving factor or, or the cost of uh, you know crude oil, for instance, could contribute to all of these things. And it's the same for, for uh, oil extraction in Texas right. too. Like they're looking at that and they're, they're just not going to do it unless the price tips over a certain point. Right. That's really bad for communities like Midland, which are basically boom or bust based on whether or not the price of oil per, per barrel is is high enough to sustain the market. And then as soon as it crosses that threshold, you know, they're back, you know, killing it. But well, um, it's also important to note that there were at certain points in time when these industries hit a sort, certain boom, the companies that work within them change their sort of spend model to be oh, yeah. at that level. And then once they start going down below, they have a new baseline that's higher. So it just yep. keeps creeping up because they they keep sort of that's artificially delaying this. It's happened multiple times. Houston has been almost killed by this. It took them like yeah. six, seven years to figure out a way to get their costs back down to the models for $60 a barrel because they saw $100 oh a barrel and they're like, that'll be there forever. We should just forever. everything we're doing to do this. So it's just, <laughs> it's just absolutely insane. That's, that is hilarious. Anyways, I got off on a tangent there. The, the point being like, Texas has more than enough capacity to produce electricity, for but, sure. but we have a lot of producers that are choosing not to produce. Yep. We have some producers that will choose to stop producing. And I don't think this is a major contributor to the issues that we've had. The, the first one is like, I'm, I'm just, I'm not in the game right now. When, when cost goes up, maybe I will be, but, um, but we, we run so close to the bleeding edge and we don't have the ability to just turn on new capacity. It's, it's just in time yeah. power at the moment. Okay. And it's really hard to turn on a full power plant at the right. at, a, at the turn of a dime. In fact, I would argue it's impossible to do so. And so we we are like on the bleeding edge of having to shed as little little excess production as possible, and therefore we get ourselves into pickles when something like a power plant goes offline that was contributing significantly, or yep. something that that I I think has been overblown. I've seen some articles about this, but some of some of our new Energy production is, of course, solar and wind, and those are less predictable because of weather events and because of well, wind. You have sure. to have wind for wind power. Now, it's a relatively small percentage, which is why I think it's over uh, over spotlighted, right? I think wind is only fifteen or sixteen percent of our total twenty capacity. Okay, so it's, it's as, of, as of two thousand nineteen. So, so the twenty percent is a big number because if twenty percent is suddenly five percent, obviously you've got a huge gap to fill. Right. But but the the idea that we can't plan for this is absurd. Oh, and, and here we are. hundred <laughs> percent. Well, it's so it's amazing here. So it, it states this is this is the part that I learned that I was not aware of. So not obviously we have the cheap prices. That that one I do know. Uh, hmm. The the other part of it though is that because a lot of our energy does come from renewables, that's that's favorable to, yeah. to crypto in general. And apparently, as far as regulation goes, uh, we're big fans of crypto in Texas. As it turns out, Abbott's that. a big fan. Um, 
sort of sort of not big enough to let me use Binance. Like, yeah. uh, well, he doesn't control all of it. I don't think. I don't think he controls everything. I, I don't exactly sure what's stopping. I ha- think it has to do. I don't know. It requires state by state approval for the exchanges to be is it state uh, allowed in. Uh, well, it is for Binance for sure because they they've got a lot of states that they're allowed to operate in in the U.S. Okay. and a lot of states they can't, like New York is a no, Oklahoma is a no. We'll Texas write them a letter, no. you know. I know, right? It'll be fine. Uh, but I'm curious what, what good... regulation it is that they that they can't operate. My guess is that it's just something like don't be a, don't be a dick, and so they can't operate until they take that off the books. <laughs> <laughs> it could be that easy, right? They're like, no, 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 that's our model. <laughs> it, it certainly could be. Well, so I'm not, I'm not is... knocking Texas. <laughs> Apparently, uh, it's very easy to start a mining company in Texas because we encourage it. But okay. we they may have a little competition, as it turns out, because another article popped up. Oh. And it says, Miami mayor looks to woo Chinese Bitcoin miners with oh. low energy prices and clean nuclear power. Nice. So now, now states or, well, cities are, are vying for competition to bring Chinese miners into uh, the ecosystem there. So Man, apparently we're going to be competing on this stuff. I'm now. super curious. So obviously you got taxes, but those would be federal taxes because Texas and Florida both don't have state tax, income tax, right? So, so I would imagine like finding the Bitcoin, selling the Bitcoin, you'd think, oh, cool, capital gains. Nope, not Texas or Florida. So Maybe they are literally just the wanting side. their the property and I, I guess just like eat the energy and we'll get our cut there. Like why would why here's are we a, here's enticing a this? Here's a quote it says we want to make sure that our city has an opportunity to compete, he said. This is the mayor. And he, and he follows on say, we're talking to a lot of companies right now and just telling them, hey, we want you to be here. I just I don't I'm I missing know. something. I I I feel like I understand enough about crypto mining to understand why an individual or a company would do it, though I think it's still risky AF. Uh, I guess at scale, if you've, if you've got the math worked out, you know you get a tranche, you're, you're going to win. But wh- why would a city go out of their way to bring in a company whose only product they don't even get revenue on? You know what? I'm starting to see as I read more a little bit about the why. <laughs> Apparently, this dude, Mayor Suarez, is just a big fan of crypto. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Yeah. And so it's, it's funny because it says, uh, you know, he's emphasizing that the city's reliance on nuclear power is a source of clean, inexpensive energy. And it goes on to say that uh, he is one of the most crypto friendly politicians in the United States, making big promises on the cost of doing business in Miami. And he has apparently been a believer for years, plunging into the investing part of crypto That's many awesome. years ago. So he's so, probably just trying to protect his own interests and making make sure that this Bitcoin keeps Bitcoin getting keeps, lined at keeps the getting rate bigger. it needs to. Uh, That's awesome. It's, it's pretty funny. Yeah, it, it maybe, clearly maybe goes some, into uh, He loves it. Some deals in the back end. Yeah, you know, <laughs> maybe he's just trying it's, to diversify his portfolio yeah. a little bit. You know? No, that that's actually really funny. But yeah, I, I don't I don't follow why anyone would want that unless unless uh, yeah, you're just an enthusiast. Well, it's only for criminals, right? So he's just it's Miami. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of you know shady <laughs> figures there. Uh, he figures it's a place that can thrive. Uh, oh, oh here's a fun one. Total change of pace. Um, I actually read today. I believe it was an Ars Technica, and I only read the title um, because the rest of it actually didn't didn't matter as much to me. But apparently, Bungie is released. Whoa, whoa! This is by request from Hold our host. Hold on. Oh no. Stop. 
My go internet connection to, is unstable, it says. Go back to Bungie Just. Bungie is releasing a Destiny-themed toaster for Aaron Bewley. That's what I am I'm convinced it's about. for Aaron. It has to be. By request, almost certainly. Is it, is it an NFT? Oh, it didn't say in the title, and I didn't read anything except for the title <laughs> because I don't know why that's news. But I do know that if any one person asked for a Destiny-themed toaster, it would be Aaron because he eats a lot of toast and he dreams in Destiny. I'm I'm looking at this said toaster right now, and I got to say it looks incredible. Toaster. It will even it, its toast puts a mark of the destiny. Yes, it does. It. Oh, that's great. <laughs> Uh, anyways, yeah, so where do I order this? It's cute. Uh, wow. And in, in only an $85 pre-order too. It, interesting. It says this might be a charity thing. It is. There's a charity angle. Yeah, it looks like there's a, the idea of its charity. Oh, stream. 10% of its profits. So they're definitely trying to make some money off the toaster. Um, yeah, what so an not, interesting. Not and interesting. I, man, I'm not even sure I want to know the answer, but why a toaster? So I, I'm just going to toast like, your enemies. I, I I'm I my face <laughs> had a big disappointed look on it for our listeners. Uh, uh, I was very disappointed in that answer. I, All right, what's next? About that, what I'm else we got? Completely honest. Uh, let's see. <laughs> let's see. Hold on. Oh, did you see this thing about SpaceX and like people almost getting arrested? Oh, was this the like we we did all these amazing things, but one of them is not following all of the laws? Yeah. Well, the the not following all the laws was they blocked off. They used private security to block off public roads and oh, didn't no. tell anyone about it. <laughs> Why so, does this feel exactly like SpaceX? This actually reminds me of something I didn't put in the notes, but I'm going to go find right now. So continue. It's, it's just so funny. So it says SpaceX received a warning from a district attorney in Texas this week, warning that the company could be violating several state laws by shutting down public beaches and roads for extended periods of time and using unlicensed security guards to block off these public roads. That's so funny. It so, just feels like the most Musk thing to possibly do. Just, it, it yeah, does. we're just going to block off these public areas. Like, don't worry about it. It'll be fine. And uh, we're just going to uh, do our thing. Is it... Um, okay, who... Someone... Related to SpaceX, and I don't know if it's one of the many meme accounts that are hilarious or if it was actually one of SpaceX's formal ones and Elon Musk had something to do with it. I don't think it was the SpaceX um, Twitter handle, but they put a list of all of like the awesome accomplishments that SpaceX has done. And it's this laundry list of like reusable massive rockets, you know, thousands of satellites, totally, you know, bending the world to its will in, in space exploration and making it uh, both, you know, economical and profitable. And then the last checks box was follow all F, you know, FAA regulations and laws. And it's just unchecked. <laughs> <laughs> and I think if I, if I remember correctly, it was in response to the, um, uh, there's, there's an article I read a couple of days ago. And I don't know if you guys talked about this on uh, Wednesday, but apparently um, SpaceX went uh, astray of its FAA license when it launched one of its rockets recently. It was not supposed to to launch. And I think it might have been like SN8 or SN9, like really? one of the big ones, right? Where where their license literally should not have allowed them to launch it and they just did it anyways. Um, and and I mean, that's very Elon too. Like, yep. I, I, Once again, I don't people, respect the SEC, right? Like, yes. None. Not a singular one. 
No. So, uh, yeah, interesting. Um, also seems pretty, uh, pretty standard. I, I have mixed feelings about this though, because while I find it hilarious because it is, it sets a really dangerous precedent for a darling company from like a social media perspective and a billionaire CEO that is eccentric as hell to just do what they want and be flippant in the, the face of the law. Like, I don't know that I love that part, even though it's funny and it's fun to talk about. I'm good with it. I like it. Um, I have one that annoys me that we can tell me. Um, I'm a big fan of the internet. I think the world knows this. I struggle with the way the internet works in our country and the lack of competition, even though I live in a competitive area, one of, I think, two in the country. Um, (laughs) Ohio Republicans are close to imposing a near total ban on municipal broadband. I read this. Hey, Ohio Uh, Republicans. Stop back the F. Stop doing yeah, stupid so, things. Man, so so that one that one rubbed me the wrong way. I I had that article up too. And I, I hate maybe partisanship it's, is it in the notes? so much. So I, I also hate partisanship and, and I'm particularly angry mostly because I, I have in my brain successfully vilified all ISPs. Um but <laughs> I I hate anything that's anti-municipal broadband. I say that, but if you read some of the requirements in the law, I kind of get it, right? The problem is is that they, I know because of partisanship, that this was not designed to make municipal broadband successful and like healthy. It was designed to stop it. But some of the specific uh, requirements for municipal broadband are not bad, right? Like one, one of them was they have to have a business plan. You can't just YOLO and make an ISP. That's that seems boilerplate. Okay. Now it's in the law. Uh, one was uh, you. I think you basically couldn't steal from profits related to other municipal services to pay for the ISP. So it, it needs to be competitive on its own. That on the surface isn't necessarily bad, but then you talk about how municipalities get funded in different ways, and it's like, well, what are you doing? But then it also basically says you can't. You can't raise a tax for it, I think is the way that it was stated. It wasn't explicitly like that, but it was more like anything associated with the ISP needs to be its own tax line item so that people know exactly where the cost from it. That's not necessarily good or bad. Right. But, but, but then the, the, it cannot, it cannot operate as a profit. There were certain things that I thought were, were not bad, right? Basically it said, if the ISP ends up profiting, then that has to go back to taxpayers and there has to be a mechanism for that. And I think it's the mechanism for that that makes it difficult um, agreed, because that's not how any other municipal service works. Like yeah. if, if they somehow made money from water delivery, you don't get a, ca- a tax break for it. But they're trying right. to force this into municipal broadband. So stupid. I get where they're coming from, but ridiculous, right? Like we have a precedent. We know what services look like. So let's, let's get down to what the reality is here. Municipal broadband would bring cheap, somewhat competitive yep. access to a whole bunch of areas and people. And they don't want that. No, because and, and there they, is an unspoken rule about competition in the internet market yep. in the United States, Ugh, and it's ridiculous. So which irritating. Is ridiculous, considering uh, it's a country founded on economic principles of competition running it. Right. Well, I don't we get say it. that. That's what we say out loud. That's what I just said out loud. I'm representing <laughs> the country right now. But we don't do that. Our our our, uh, our economy is driven heavily by lobbying efforts. In my you're opinion, a lobbying effort. And, and there's actually some really good uh, in-depth, uh, I guess, digs into municipal broadband and the efforts to stop it. Um, 
let's just say that the ISPs are very aware of and happy to spend oodles of money to prevent any municipal broadband efforts from ever coming into play. And in states like Ohio, where I assume based on that, there's a lot of uh, Senate and so state, Senate, state, judiciary, state, um, legislature in general, right? So House, House and Senate. Um, they probably have enough control to try to put, uh, you know, final finality to any debate around it. So instead of having to fight these things at each individual city, they find a friendly state Congress and probably a friendly state governor and they get it done for good. And this is one of those which is sad and dumb. Yep, it is sad. And um, uh, I hate it. Uh, I just want more competition in the Internet. I right. want for everyone to be able to have functional internet because uh, not everyone does which is a sad thing because i think it is very much so required in this day and age and that uh, and that's without and, touching on the irony of a conservative body of uh legislators fighting effectively against free market <laughs> that's what i'm saying it's the opposite <laughs> of and they, this is the second time they've done something like this whenever they know. they made they initially made it to where the utility sort of classification of internet was going to allow access to new providers to come in to hit certain junction mm-hmm. points to be able to like actually route and, and, and provide internet. Like Google sure. was really struggling to get access and then a law passed to allow them to be able to get access. And then it was basically repealed like 10 minutes yeah. later to be like, no, 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 we're just kidding. Oh, wait, like, don't that's worry about competition. that. We don't yeah, like no, that. That's bad. So it's, I just, I hate it. I hate every, uh, yeah. every, I, I think it's it. very telling that, that Google was unsuccessful for the most That's, part, in getting any sort of serious broadband offering to even major cities. The fact that they failed to do that means that that there's a lot of money changing hands. Yeah, there's there's two sides to this. It's like one, it's like Google has unlimited money and yet they still gave up. But the other side of it is that Google gives up on everything. So, you know, that's so true. It's a bad look. Well, here, here's something that's less depressing. Uh, actually, uh, one, one of our listeners, Aaron um, Doombrow, shared an EV inductance article and it was talking about how instead of having you know above ground plug-in EV chargers, the future should be a bunch of inductance chargers all over the place. And and I, I got really excited because Explain the idea is really elegant. Well so so inductance charging is just like your your wireless charging for your cell phone. But there are major issues with inductance charging. And and like I, I my first thought was cool and my second thought was dang it like I don't know how this works. One if you bury chargers and you bury chargers where cars go, it means they're encased in concrete or below concrete. That sucks for two reasons. One, getting it there sucks. Actually, it's three reasons. Two, fixing it there sucks. And three, the more concrete you put between an inductance charger and a vehicle increases the distance, which dramatically impacts how much power can be converted. Because like so many things in the you know, EM spectrum, right? The, the sure. distance has a an exponential loss in capability. So the further you wait, get away you get, the worse off it is. Same reason if you hold your phone, you know, a half an inch above your wireless charger, it doesn't wirelessly charge. Right. That signal's still there. It's just weak AF, as little as a couple centimeters above it. Yeah, has to be sitting so, on it for my phone. And then, and then the other issue, right? Uh, most most phones, and that's that's that is inductance. Inductance, it it is it is a square. It is a, an exponential relationship. Uh, for capacity to transfer electricity, right? Like do the mechanism. So the further away you get, it it drops off incredibly fast, right? Um, And so there's another issue there, which is if you design 
random inductance chargers at stoplights, for instance, thinking that you're going to get a little bit of, you know, electricity right. from the, from the Mo's. Maybe there's some really creative ways Texas to make sure that explode. you're paying for it. Right. Yeah, well, yes, for sure. But, um, the height of your car. So you would have to have standards for vehicles that that have inductives and and the cars that have lifts would basically not be able to take advantage of these things. And then the other thing was would be able to take advantage of it. Of course, because we all drive trucks and they're all, (laughs) you know, 18 inches higher than every other vehicle on the road. But it it was cool because they were talking about um, in this case, I forget what the city was now, actually, but um, they uh, they were using it already for. public transport, which I think is brilliant. Using inductance charging for public transport is great because you have a a much better say in the whole system. So you can look at the charging ecosystem. You can look at the design of the vehicle, stuff like that. You also have mostly static routes. And mostly static routes means you know where dwell points are and you know where all of your stops are. So if you embed inductance chargers, you don't have some unsightly plug-in and you can just charge your buses as they move around the city. I was like, that's freaking awesome. That's what I was going to say. I was like, is this buses we're talking about or trains? Or yeah, what? well, I'm both, I would imagine, assuming, well, I'm trains, usually you have so much infrastructure because of the track right. that, that it's easy enough to just build the, the power into you know contact. Yeah. Um, or, or something similar, right? Like, because you've got to lay the track down. It's probably trivial by comparison. I'm putting big air quotes yep, there right. to, to just have something that can charge through contact. Plus, like I was saying, charging through contact is more predictable and higher bandwidth. Inductance yeah. is really, really, really cool. And theoretically, it's just as high of a bandwidth, but at like touching, which is contact again. So we're kind of losing. Isn't efficiency here. a problem in this space? Because I've, I've, I've seen reports on just wireless charging of our phones. That it's half as efficient. It'll use I wouldn't be surprised. Double the amount of energy to provi- provide the same amount of charge. That I, I, that wouldn't surprise me at all, and it, it all boils back to the same problem, which is even your even your wireless charger has some amount of plastic between the coil in the charger and the coil in your phone that's going right. to to harvest that energy, and that piece of plastic just dramatically again, it's not a little bit dramatically reduced the capability of the the. Uh, transfer. So yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if it's pretty inefficient comparatively. Yeah, well, Contact is the to way to go. It's, I'm glad that there's at least the possibility that something like this could happen one day. Because I've, I've thought about that yeah. before as I've thought about the idea of an EV is like, what if I just drove into my garage and I pulled up on top of a charging pad? You know, like, so that's cool. kind of what I'm thinking about in my mind. Of course, I don't ever park in my garage because that's reserved for my wife. But nonetheless, I, I don't pull up into cars my driveway. In and then, yeah. Yeah. Your garage is too small for cars though. Like my, my garage is True. huge. Yeah, that's, I, that's true. Or maybe it's maybe it's the reverse. Of it's the reverse. Yeah. No, my uh, whole garage is a shop. It's not four cars. My mower's in there, which is actually I'm trying to find a place to put it. Hmm. Well, I'm going <laughs> to give us one more, and then we're going to shut it down. Okay. Uh, I don't even. Re- I don't really know what's going on in this article, but the headline just <laughs> made me laugh. I just so I just Roger Walters or Waters tells Facebook CEO to zuck off after huge song rights requests. I just, what? I don't know. I really enjoyed the, the, the punchline yeah. there. Uh, well, Well, my immediate thought was if it does, this have something to do with Beat Saber because oh. they, you know, Facebook obviously owns Oculus, um, Oculus and by yeah. extension, Facebook acquired Beat Saber in the studio that developed, uh-huh. develops it. And they license nice songs. That. Okay. Uh, for this, it doesn't actually say that in the article any anywhere that I can. Uh, I don't see. know anything about this. Article, there is. Yeah. Well, um, <laughs> there, there's a quote um, 
There is a quote here from an interaction between Mr. Roger Waters, which I have no idea who this person <laughs> is. That? Yeah, right. uh, but um, the answer is, this is a response to some question. Basically, uh, someone wanted, Zuck wanted to give them a huge amount of money in order to get access to these songs. It doesn't say the reason why. They just wanted access to these songs, whatever. Maybe it's... Ah, ah, this, is, this is Pink Floyd. Roger Waters is Pink Floyd. Uh, is I assume lead lead singer oh. owner of the material. I, I, that I, makes I, so it's, much. It's sense. embarrassing that I don't know exactly well, who that is, but but yeah, I don't know it's a lot of music. I don't stuff. know if he's re- related to the estate or if he's like the guy. Right. Don't judge me. And some in, in <laughs> Waters is a founding member of Pink Floyd in 1960. There you go, founding member uh, alongside uh, Sid Barrett, Richard Wright, Nick Mason, and got Bob Cloyce. Uh, got it. Got so, it. Hey, to uh, be fair, I don't know the names of band members from my own generation. Either. Yeah. So, I, like, try not to judge me too hard on this because it could have just as easily been like the heiress to Disney. Like, she didn't start Disney, but she owns it. Yeah, you you could you couldn't even offend me because I I don't I don't know anything about music and I'm well aware of that and I'm comfortable with it so it's whatever <laughs> I just think the story's funny. So apparently they tried to give this guy uh, four Pink Floyd songs a significant amount of money, and his response to it is the answer is f you. That's no hilarious. effing way. He used the full words, by the way. Family friendly show. Waters told the apparently some cheering crowd as he was. Talking. <laughs> I guess he's like this was a rally to go against Zuckerberg or something. That sounds know. about I right. It was hilarious that Zuck came up and was like, "Hey, here's a big bag of money," and the dude's like, "Yeah, f off. I'm not even remotely interested in working with you ever. I hate you." One one that is very funny to me, and this is again one of one of those funny like just big gorillas fighting each other, right? Like. People, people that care about Pink Floyd and what they do or do not do with their music or people that hate Zuckerberg because he's a robot or because he owns Facebook. Hard to say which one. Maybe. Um, but but I, I think one of the funnier things there is that it, it highlights, I think, one of the most ironic things in social media and just general angst today, which is the generation that hates Zuckerberg the most yep. is the one that uses Facebook the most. Yeah, like. I- they they are the same. It's the the Venn diagram is a circle, <laughs> right? Like <laughs> they, the, the ones that made him a billionaire are the ones that have decided that like all tech companies are are evil, and and Zuckerberg in particular is the worst. And it it the irony is just not lost on me. There's but, just a uh, lot of people out there who hate rich people for some odd reason. I don't. I, I, or or Facebook. Like honestly, I think Zuck gets it extra, right? Oh, so I think he's, he he's a billionaire, but he's a billionaire in like one of the most vilified social media companies in the world. So people people hate him even more. Agreed, hundred percent. Good stuff. Well, that's gonna do it for another episode of the Tech Breakfast Podcast. This is the one with the really good intro and the absolutely excellent outro. Uh, please, please, please share it with your friends, your family, tweet about it. Uh, give us some feedback. We always love to hear it. Uh, and until then, we'll see you next time. Later. Peace.